Hey, I'm Daniel, a political activist and campaigner turned management consultant turned coach. And this is PolitikWise, the podcast where politics meets personal development. Let's face it, it's easy to criticize those in politics. But being in politics is not an easy ride. And yet for many who make the leap, it's worth it. They can make a real difference. So how can we have both? How can we make a difference while at the same time showing up as the best version of ourselves? It's a question that's been with me for the last 20 years. First, when I started out as an activist leading an NGO, then when I did a PhD in politics, and later when I quit my job in consulting to help build up a political movement and run an election campaign. And today, as I coach young leaders who want to make a difference while staying true to themselves. I know the answers are out there, so join me on this podcast. We'll hear from political leaders, from psychologists, neuroscientists, philosophers about their findings and experiences. And together, we learn about the ideas, mindsets, and tools of wise people in politics and beyond. Let's go. Hello and welcome. Uh, my guest today on this podcast is Inesh Bravo Figuerdo. Inesh is the lead candidate for the snap elections happening in Portugal, the national elections happening in Portugal in March this year, for the party Volt Europa. Inesh has a background in business intelligence and data analytics. She's founded a company in this area called Zarni Analytics. She has headed the policy team of the pan-European party Volt Europa and has been responsible for developing the party's electoral program for the 2024 European elections. She's also in the leadership of the party in Portugal. And I have a fascinating conversation with Inesh, and you will find this episode particularly helpful if you're wondering about how to organize a campaign in a short time, or what the challenges are and how to tackle them. But not only that, it's also about, and Inesh shares quite a few insights on how she approaches conversations with citizens in different contexts on the street, and particularly also how she manages herself to show up as the best version of herself in those conversations, including those conversations that might be difficult, where citizens feel discontent about policies and what's happening in their country. And Ines shares her views on, on how to best approach those conversations, how to handle being in the spotlight, how to handle a perfectionism. So a lot of learnings in this conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Ines, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you. Thank you for having me. Ines, so you are the lead candidate for the national elections in Portugal for Volt, the pan-European party. And the elections are coming up in eight to nine weeks. So it's very near in the future. How do you feel about that? What, what is that like running a campaign? And it's the, the date is so uh, close. Well, they scheduled the elections for three months after the government fell. And so we never really had a lot of time. It was always a rush, but it's been a crazy adventure. It's so many things. A campaign, the most pressure resource in a campaign is time. It's always time. And we don't have a lot of it. And so we're so we both have to be very creative in how we use our time, very effective. We have to take a lot of hard decisions fast. And that has been challenging. At the same time, it's an 
amazing experience because we never really had the opportunity as Vault to be in a pressure environment like this. And it's forcing us to grow quite a lot. And it's forcing me to grow quite a lot. And that has been, you know, just simply the amazing experience for me. The most interesting thing about the snap elections is that I've been able to see is Portugal is going through an interesting curve and and the themes and the topics that people talk about are changing. And you start to see topics that are very like vault being put on the table and being talked about. And so suddenly people are talking about the things that we vault care a lot about. And that has been incredibly lucky for us in this election. Yeah. What are the topics? So the how we grow our economy. So in, uh, in Volt, we have a very strong economic renaissance chapter. And this chapter has a lot of really interesting ideas. Like we invest a lot in industries of the future. We want to digitalize everything. We want like the future now. And people where they usually were a bit more traditional about how do we maintain our current economy. Now everybody's talking about growth. Everybody's talking about how do we reach higher salaries. And this is... For us, it, it's very easy to uh, play into because we have a very strong chapter here. And a second one is how do we do public management right? How do we have good management in the public sector? How do we digitalize, make sure there is no, we are effective, there is, we are efficient as well. There is no waste in the resources. And this is also an area we're very strong in, smart state. And so it's, it's been beautiful and amazing to work. And they're also my favorite areas personally. So it's been amazing to work with that. You've been working quite a lot uh, on the European level of Vault on the policy. So I guess being now able to represent those must be must be fulfilling. Uh, on that, what is it that is fulfilling about the campaign? So you already mentioned it's high pressure. What is it that motivates you, that energizes you about this? Anything that you can pick out of perhaps many things? As you uh, correctly said, I used to be the policy lead for Volt Europa, uh, which means I was always in the depth and the weeds of the policies and the specifics. And uh, that was really cool. I also had the opportunity to do the overall uh, vision for Volt's policy. And these two are something that you as a candidate don't do so much. So actually what's been really fulfilling for me, it's the fact that I've been talking to people about our ideas. And I've been listening to people and people have been sharing their concerns. And I've realized like that connection, the connection that the ideas that we have, that we bring, uh, actually ring true with people and just listening to people. And that has been like, so it has been transformative for me. And it's what keeps me going. It's what gives me energy is this listening to people and being able to offer them the solutions and connecting over these conversations, it really keeps me going. Mm. How can how can people imagine that like, those conversations? Where where do they take place? How do they take place? Everywhere I meet with uh, people from all kinds of walks of life. So it's either sometimes it's people just in the streets when we're flying and that is giving out flyers and just talking to people about uh, who we are. So we have those conversations where people share their frustrations. But it's also conversations with in events or with major public figures here in Portugal that we meet uh, to exchange ideas. They also share their frustrations and these conversations also feed and, and give me the motivation to keep going. And another conversation that I often have is with members of Vault. 
they often also talk about their own frustrations and what is missing in Portugal. And I realized that I do this for everybody. I do this for the people of Portugal and I do this for Volters. And that's, that is a very motivating, definitely. Mm. And so you're doing this idea of doing it also for other people. That That is something that helps. I wonder what is it that is on the other side, like that is difficult <laughs> to to do in the campaign. What have you found particularly difficult? I mean, I guess there are so many things. There are a lot of things. I think the most difficult thing I've found is that I hadn't realized before I started actually, is that when you're a candidate, people like judge you a lot on what you do and what you say. They're very attentive to all the small things that you say. And it's a big shift from just being a leader inside of a party to becoming a candidate. Suddenly, everybody around you, both the voters and the people inside of both, start noticing your every move, start noticing everything that you say, and they make sure to tell you. Uh, so what's been the most challenging for me, actually, is because I'm an extreme perfectionist. I, I want to be perfect, but I cannot be. I'm only human, right? Uh, but the fact that people are now very attentive to what I say and what I do uh, has been the biggest hurdle for me. Um, and it does impact uh, confidence, but I think it's also a growth opportunity because it forces me to learn to let go of these, which is a journey, but I'm getting there. Yeah, for, uh, forcing you to let, let go also of the perfectionism. How do you do that? Tell me more about that. I can imagine, and if I think of guests in the past, that this is a, quite a big topic to handle. How do you do that exactly? Anything you found that worked for you in particular? Well, you can never let go completely of it. What I found that works really well for me is actually it's exercise. I try to start my day always with something to keep my get my blood running because Without the, you know, the endorphins, without wanting to be too specific, it's much harder to deal with it. So I try to be as healthy as possible, sleep well, exercise, eat well. This really, really, really helps in being more settled, more calm. And that makes it easier to let go of the perfectionism when I have to. And it helps me be more confident when I need to. This, the endorphins of, of the exercise and speaking with people, That also helps me a lot with confidence because it helps me see and connect. And this sense of connection, I get out of my own head and I focus on others. And that allows me to not focus so much on the perfectionism and just focus on why I do it. And that just makes me let go of the perfectionism. Mm. Perhaps on that note, one of the catchphrases of PolitiWise is that, you know, is showing up as the best version of yourself. When you hear that, showing up as the best version of yourself, what else, in addition to what you've already shared, is something that you believe in, is something that works, practically speaking? This comes, so this, this is a tip that I've been incorporating in both my speeches in public, but also in one-on-one -on -one conversations. It helps a lot to look at the people around you and not perceive them as strangers or people with intentions, may it be good or bad towards you, it helps a lot to look at them and think of them as old friends. 
And this is what I do. I look at someone in the street that I have to, you know, say, hello, how are you? Here's a flyer. I look at them not as a stranger. I will bother. And what's going to be their reaction, right? I look at them like an old friend. So I smile slowly. I, I look at them in the eye calmly. And I say, how are you? Do you want to know more about our project? And that helps so much. And it helps me to look at everyone around me as an old friend. It helps me create connections. It helps me just be more at ease in whatever environment I'm in. And it allows me to let my inner self shine a lot more because I feel more comfortable because people are old friends. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like often we are the best version around friends. Depends on the friends, <laughs> but I, I guess so, right? Like the people who are close to us, who love us, I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I can imagine it's challenging though to expand that to so many people. But I think it's, in a way, it represents who we are as well, right? Because we say we are participatory, that we want everybody to have a say, have a voice. That means everybody. And that means we're not excluding certain people who are different from us, certain people that make us uncomfortable. And so this practice of looking at someone not as a stranger, but someone who's maybe someone we're going to work together with, someone who we are building something together with, this helps a lot in practicing our values of participation, our values of inclusion, I think particularly. And it helps us You know, when we're with friends and we know a lot about a topic and I am I'm very in the weeds of policy and I know a lot about the details of everything and I want to share everything, yeah. it helps me do that in a way that people feel more comfortable with in a way. Because if I see them as an old friend and I smile at them, they smile back at me. And so when they hear me talk, they're a lot more receptive and they're a lot more interested as well in our policies, in our ideas, in the change we want to bring to society. And, and so it's easier to talk and to share what we want to share and to put our ideas on the table and have people care about them if they're receptive to them. And so this is very, very helpful for me. Mm. Yeah, and you're mentioning something that is... It's not that you have to think of a list of 10 things uh, in terms of your facial gesture, your gestures, the facial expression and so on, everything that you need to tick off for you to appear in a certain way. It's you're just, you know, you're thinking internally, how do I want to feel about that person? I want to treat them as a good old friend. And then all of these other things, they come naturally, right? Like the smile and so on. The you don't questions. have to think about your eyes. You don't have to think about your smile, your feet where your belly button is pointing, you don't have to think about that. It'll come naturally. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful here, especially because there is so much advice that you can get on all of those things and that, that I sometimes see being given given out, right? How, how, to, how to appear as a candidate or how to communicate powerfully. And this approach is a bit more direct. It's, a, it's an efficient mm -hmm. way to get at it. But it can't work. It doesn't work only on itself. Like it needs a second thing for it to work. And the second thing it needs is confidence. So you look at someone as an old friend, but then you also need to feel centered and confident and prepared. That means you need to know 
a lot about our ideas. Like you cannot go unprepared. People will spot it. People will see this, this person speaks very, very well. I love to meet them, but they have no content. So you need to come prepared as well. And you need to, to be confident in speaking about the things that we support and in speaking about both ideas and ideals and the society we want to build. Because if you don't, then people will say, okay, amazing people love to meet them. They had a, a blast speaking with them, but I'm not convinced they're capable actually of governing. So I might not give them my vote, you know? Mm. Or they might, but they, they will simply buy into you as a person. Your charisma. That's not the politics that we want to bring forward, right? That's uh, not who we are. I mean, this is where the charismatic politician comes in, who only, but who only has the charisma and mm -hmm. not, not the content behind it. Yeah, I think it's an important addition. I can imagine, though, that when you approach someone, and yes, you have that attitude towards them, times you have tough conversations, like people who are angry, as you said, frustrated, but perhaps not necessarily positive to you or to your party and to your ideas. Have you dealt with this already? Have you experienced people who, I don't know, perhaps even aggressive, but at, at, at least not friendly? Yeah. Definitely. And it, a, lot, a lot of it comes out of frustration. People are very unhappy. There's people who have lives that are so hard. And I'm going to give a specific example that I think it's, any, it's an example that works across Europe, which is the topic of migration. There is a lot of people very frustrated with their own lives because they see their buying power going down with inflation, their salaries are not rising accordingly, so they see themselves getting poorer and poorer. And then they see the migrants and they see us saying, we need to spend money on them, we need to integrate them, we need to give them houses. And they get really, really frustrated because they think, well, what about me? I'm working really hard and I can't make ends meet. What do you have to offer? And what I've, and these are the conversations that are the most difficult. What I've found, and I've actually taken a page out of the far right book, uh, but I don't think they need to have a monopoly on this. And what they do is they look at the person who's very frustrated and they say, you know, you are right. Your life is difficult. And I completely understand your frustration and the things you're pointing out are unfair and and when you validate their frustration it calms them down and makes them so receptive to what you're about to say next because they see okay this is someone who understands my pain who sees that there is a reason for me being frustrated and he's not just trying to say oh no but please uh, think also of the migrants they also are fleeing from war like they are but that that's not what the person wants to Here, they need to hear that we understand their frustration as well. Hmm. And now that they're receptive, then you can make the bridge and explain that there, this person, the migrant that you're frustrated, is not the cause of your problems. And so this is not, you should not hate this, these people uh, because they're not the cause of the problems that you're feeling. And so it makes them receptive and it eases these fr very frustrating conversations. Yeah. And that's that's opposed to, I guess, l perhaps listening to them or not really listening to them, but waiting for an opportunity to say and argue why they are wrong, right? Giving all the exactly. reasons why they're wrong. 
there is there is no point if someone is very frustrated and very emotional trying to tell them you're wrong is going to drive them away from you yeah yeah i think that's that's an image of a uh, human being as a totally rational being and yeah i think we don't have to talk too much about it and it reminds me of a book that i've recently read about negotiation hostage negotiation actually same approach uh, so you want to acknowledge the emotions <laughs> of someone who's hostile to you even i mean this yeah. is an extreme situation but i think that yeah sounds sounds like a very wise approach and and i agree definitely not something to be to be given or handed over to the to the far right only because what you're yeah. doing is you're acknowledging hey i've i see i've seen you i've heard you i, I understand i agree not to what you're saying but i agree that you are feeling the way you're feeling right now and at the same time I think we're talking about this as if this was easy, right, Inish? It's like, <laughs> because when you're getting that heat, you need to manage yourself in the same at the same time. Definitely. I think this is one of my strong points, is my ability to connect. This is, if there is one thing that I worked really hard on and that I am extremely proud of, is my ability to connect with people from different walks of life for, that aren't similar to me. And I'm very, very proud of this. So yes, it is hard. I forget myself in a sense that I don't focus on myself because their frustration, I know rationally, it, it's very intense and they're on, like they're speaking over you and they're like invading your personal space and they're very ag aggressive, right? But you know it's not about yourself. It's about them. So I tend to focus on them and not really listen to my emotions. I, during the conversation, I bottle them. And then after the situation has passed, I worked through how I felt and I let them go. Because oh, if you bottle everything up, then you're going to explode eventually, right? So, but in that moment, it's not about myself. It's like being a candidate. Being a candidate, it's not about yourself. Like we see these figures, right? That are very personable personalities. And we look at them and it's like, they make everything about themselves. But actually, even them, it's not about them. Being a candidate, it's about representing a movement. It's about helping build a better society. And it's not about me being famous or popular. It's about contributing towards that. So focusing on yourself too much can be destructive because it can stop you from feeling that and make you too inside your own head. And then you can't seize the opportunities you can't see very far it is by the way one way to prevent the negative effects of power psychologically of you know being corrupted by power is to know why you wanted that power in the first place that you know ability to shape the world around you and the distinction is do you seek power for yourself as a validation for yourself or for to do something for others in whatever way you define that and that latter is is often like a good immunity shot uh, against yeah power corrupting you although if you 
if you don't have, if it's not clear in your head, if you just say, oh, it's for others, but it's not clear or it's not specific which others, it can just be like a vague feeling. It needs to be specific. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, in whatever way you define it and you absolutely yeah, need to define it. Uh, and let's be honest, it's very easy also to say that, right? It can, I mean, a lot of people say it and they don't mean it. So do you really feel honestly that this is, you know, you really believe in that? You know what? It took me a long time to reach that. And it was that journey, right? I've always been, you know, the nerdy girl uh, who knew too much about policy and economics and, you know, public management and just wanted to show that she knew a lot, right? That was how I was 10 years ago. But then I grew up in a way and the exercise that I did that helped me the most was actually look back and identify the moment in which I woke up to politics what was the thing that made me wake up to politics or what was the thing that made me say there's something that needs to change because when I looked back in, into these moments and it was really hard to find a specific moment because it just everything just seems so fuzzy and when people talk about find your story of self find who you are find why you're doing it it took me so long <laughs> it took me a really long time more I think It was the most difficult thing for me was to find that. But when I did, when I found the reasons why I was doing it, then it was extremely powerful. But it was two specific people in my life that made me interested in politics and interested in solving the injustices that I saw around me. And when I looked back and I finally identified the moments, then it was very powerful. But It's hard, but it's worth the search, even if it's really hard. You purposefully looked for that? That is really yes. like an exercise that you explicitly and purposefully, yes. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Like and it took me around two years. I'm not I'm not exaggerating that it took me two years to identify why I was look why I was looking towards politics. Yeah. We sometimes do these workshops on the story of self, exactly that, right? Like find your story it needs to be specific, that moment exactly as you describe in time where something changed, something happened and you realized that you're, you needed to do something about something that was important to you, that touched upon your values. And we do that in the workshop. And, you know, I think it's always quite ambitious to believe that you can fix something in that yeah, two hours. Yeah. I always felt... Um, in these workshops that I was lacking because everybody was finding these moments, amazing moments, amazing stories of self. And I was like, I can't find it. Where is it? <laughs> How can I find it? And I, I was really feeling like, am I actually just here for my own personal power? Like, do I not have, like, I started doubting myself. But then, then I actually sat down I sat someone down with me and I said, let's talk. And it wasn't one session. It wasn't two sessions. It was a lot of sessions, but eventually we got there. And then I was able to realize, no, I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing this for these two people and how I see them mirrored in everybody that I speak with. So it's, it takes time. 
And sometimes people doubt themselves, but it's in there. They just need to look and they should look to find the, um, the shot against the you know, uh, power corrupting you. It is worth it. Yeah. And I, th I think feeling, if you're feeling something, if you're feeling strongly, that's a good indication as a piece of data, right? That there's something meaningful there, mm -hmm. but you have to dig. <laughs> and that's, th thanks for sharing that because I think it's empowering for, for people to hear, for myself also to hear. Yeah? There, there's, it takes some time to get there. Yeah. Talking about time, I think time is slipping, is running. Inesh, uh, I wonder if you had this chance to put up this billboard in front of every government or parliament seat in the world, and people are walking uh, past it as they go to work for citizens. What is it that you would write on it? I am a true progressive at heart. So I would write, let's be courageous enough to look towards the future and to go after the future that we see for ourselves. Because... I think people sometimes get lost in how hard it is to solve the big challenges of our time. And there we need courage to solve them. Uh, how do we build a society where people feel, you know, not alone, companionship, they feel they have a good job and they have they're cared for, there's good public services, they see they're prosperous and they see a future for themselves and they can um, fulfill all of their needs, including self-actualization. It needs courage and it needs a look towards the future and it needs ambition. So I would write that. Be courageous and look towards the future. Inej, last question is uh, what clearly comes across for me, uh, probably for the listeners as well, is your energy, your high, high energy, very positive. Seems like you're very hopeful. And I wonder what is it that gives you hope in times where the world's quite difficult as it is. We're starting into a new year. For you, what, what is that thing that gives you hope? It's, I think people focus too much on the, the bad things that humans do. And I focus on the good things that humans do. We have... Like, we're very weird animals, <laughs> we are. And I think we're a fascinating animal in a sense that we can devise the most incredible things. But if we look around and we look at all the amazing achievements we did, for example, in healthcare, right? In new medicine that we invent and how many lives we've been able to save. And that is not easy, that's hard. And we've done it and we continue to do it. And to see these really hard problems that, you know, 30 years ago, these diseases would kill you and now they're solvable. We can solve really hard problems. We are very smart. We work collaboratively and that, the smartness, the working collaboratively, the facing the problems, not accepting them, but challenging them, going after the solutions that we as humans do so often, is what gives me hope because I know we can say solve these problems. We don't have to keep on living um, in societies where there is unfairness and there's people are alone or people are poor. We don't have to. We can solve the problems if we set our minds to it. So that's what gives me hope. Inesh, thank you very much for taking the time out of a busy campaign 
to be on the podcast. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening. I hope you liked the episode. Please share it with someone who might find it valuable as well. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover or a guest I should talk to, let me know. You can find out more on my website. Head over to politicwise.org. Until the next time.